listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for November 1st, 2020, All Saints Day. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. For many months now, our lives have felt haunted at times by the pandemic specter of disease and death, if not even personally impacted by it. Many of us have felt like we're in disguise when we go out in our masks. And for some, there's every excuse to eat more than one's usual helping of sweets and treats, anything to take the edge off the bitter pills of social isolation and economic meltdown and all the other big and small nightmares that have come with pandemic living. So a meme going around on social media recently made me laugh. Why celebrate Halloween this year? I've been wearing a mask and eating candy for the last nine months. Hidden inside the dark humor of this comment is the sober reality that yes, in a sense, we have been living in a grim Halloween-like atmosphere for the better part of the year. But for a long time, Halloween had religious significance in the church. There is even a liturgy for Halloween in our Book of Occasional Services the same place we go for house blessings and stations of the cross. Hallow is a synonym for saint. And since the eighth century, in fact, Halloween or All Hallows Eve, together with All Saints Day and All Souls Day, was observed as a season all its own called All Hallow Tide or the Autumn Triduum. We usually think of the Triduum as our great fast and feast of Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and the Easter Vigil. In that Triduum, all things point toward light and life and resurrection, both spiritually and naturally, with the lengthening of days, the coming of springtime, and the new growth and greening of everything. Now the green blade riseth, as the beautiful hymn goes. But the fall triduum is a time to consider and to pray for the dead. And its timing fits. The days are shortening and the nights are lengthening and all around us the earth is falling asleep, blanketed in fallen leaves and withered plantings. It points to the impermanence of all things, nature's cycle of life and death, including our own mortality. It's no wonder Halloween has been so thoroughly infantilized and trivialized by our death-defying culture. It's not that there's anything wrong with the fun parts of Halloween, but they are all that's left of the holiday. Humans generally prefer to look more on the bright side, as it were, whistling past the graveyard. The fact of our impermanence is the most overlooked part of our faith. And in my experience, most Christians tend to focus most, if not all of our attention on Christmas and Easter as we whistle past the more somber days that lead up to them. We don't like to spend too much time in the dark, but that is what this inward looking season of All Hallow Tide invites us to do, to linger in that uncomfortable place of facing what looks like the end Hence the meme that we've been doing Halloween all this time already, but only superficially, not in its fullness. In its fullness, this liturgical season with its focus on all the saints and all the souls who have died is an invitation to face the fears we may have of death or face our embarrassment of our fear of death 
and to move through it to proclaim and embrace the hope we have of a common eternity with all the saints and souls who have gone before us. These days, we have no choice but to face some of our worst fears. This earthy season with its cold weather and dying leaves and hardening ground mirrors our current times. Our lockdown, our dormant social lives, our seemingly inescapable grind of pandemic living. We have no choice but to face the dark a little longer as the weather turns colder and the numbers rise and there aren't a lot of solutions on the immediate horizon. But as Robert Frost wrote, the best way out is always through. Like it or not, this is our season to stare down darkness and death and not look away and to make peace with it, even to befriend our impermanent nature. Because the profound and unique promise of our faith is that death is not our end. And it is hard for us to take that in because maybe we fear it isn't true and we don't want to hope in vain. Today, especially, but also every Sunday, when we remember and pray for those who have died and gone before us, those whom we love but see no longer, we acknowledge their ongoing life with God and we claim our own place in communion with them and not just in the hereafter, but in the here now. So the importance of these feast days does not just, is not just in the reminders of death and dying, it's ultimately in the claim of our lived communion with all who have died, our common mortality, and our shared eternity. We are in one chorus with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven as we proclaim at every Eucharist. This is a place of hope, and its imagery is before us every Sunday. In the fullness of this all-hallow tide, we would embrace more fully this outrageous claim that death is not our end, and that in fact it is through dying, and only through dying, that we are born into eternal life. The spiritual practice of this claim is to learn how to die before we die, so we can start living eternally right now. St. Gregory of Nyssa in the fourth century said, it is not an exaggeration to say that death is woven into our life. The person of yesterday is not the same person of today in material substance, but that something in us must always be becoming dead or be growing or being destroyed or ejected. As St. Paul said, we die daily. The outrageous promise that death is not the end of us is the reason that All Saints Day is one of four major feasts on our calendar and why it is set aside as one of the principal days for holy baptism. We bracket our liturgy today with baptism and prayers for the dead. The outrageous claims we make in baptism are that we are baptized into the death with Jesus in his crucifixion and having passed through death with him we are raised with him in his resurrection into new and eternal life. We can't be raised from the dead without dying. And if we fight the death part, it's pretty hard to experience the resurrection part. It has been said that our lives are as brief as the hyphen between the dates on a gravestone. And to live fully is to live every day without being afraid of death. 
both those daily deaths of change, loss, disappointment, and failure, and our physical death. Without accepting the death that comes with our life, we can never really embrace either. Instead of fearlessly living our lives in the hope and assurance that no death is our end, we live at the mercy of all that wants to kill us. Fear sends us into a thousand different hiding places. We fear other people's judgments of us. We fear being different or insignificant or losing control or failing or losing our wealth or our health. And besides fear, we carry the heavy weights of our past or present losses, our hurts and betrayals, our mistakes and regrets. We don't know when these deaths will come, not these deaths nor the last death. They may come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night or in broad daylight. Either way, in the big picture, our earthly lives are as brief as the hyphen on a gravestone. But we can start to live eternally now, not just in the hereafter, as we begin to put the fear of our own mortality to rest and get on with our new life in Christ that is proclaimed at our baptism. Because the life of Christ into which we are baptized is not a belief system about the afterlife. It is a way to live now, in this life, that embodies all that is eternal. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as we pray. The hyphen that was Jesus' earthly life was brief by any standard, but he taught us and showed us what it looks like to live eternally in just 33 years. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, the merciful, as Jesus taught and embodied. Blessed are those who have tamed their egos and have no need to divide and conquer and destroy, but instead bring healing and compassion to a warring world. Blessed are the gentle who help their neighbors succeed rather than competing with them and tearing them down. Happy are they because they are the freest of all. Blessed are those who mourn, who are able to cry and shed tears and sit with sadness and loss without turning their pain into anger and bitterness. Blessed are those who can mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who long for righteousness. Through their longing to be anchored in God, they shall be so anchored. Blessed are the pure in heart and the peacemakers, those who see the unity of all things with an undivided heart and who bring justice and reconciliation where there is hatred and violence. They shall see God. Blessed are the persecuted who seek justice like the prophets did. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, eternal life in the here and now. Now more than ever in our anxious and weary world, and no matter the outcomes of pandemic or politics, scenarios that will always be with us, our way out of death and out of our fear of death will always be through. To face our fears, even our biggest fear of all, our fear of death, is the work that this season of the year, this season of our faith, beckon us to do. Because this is what frees us to participate most fully in the life and way of Jesus. This is what frees us to experience the ineffable joys of all the saints in heaven and on earth and to take our place among them 
together with all the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. Amen, alleluia. You can find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.